When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. You're listening to the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast, your gateway to the wonderful world of archery and bow hunting. Now, your hosts, Tim and Dave. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast. Myself, Tim Mazarana, and Dave Thomas tonight, along with special guest Mitch Petrie, Vice President of Programming Outdoor Sportsman Group. And uh, Mitch, it, it's, it's great to have you on. I mean, we, I, I don't think we've had you on in the past, but we really wanted to talk to you about what, what Outdoor Sportsman Group is, what you guys got going on, because you guys, oh my gosh, have a ton going on. It's crazy. Ton. <laughs> we do. Thanks. And thanks for having us. No, this is my, my first defense. I'm a, a first time <laughs> visitor to the podcast. I, I have done my homework and I saw um, that we have a mutual friend in Chris Cobbett who was on recently. Uh, very good we love Chris i asked Cabot him if there's anything i need to be aware of and he said no he said you're generally decent guys so <laughs> generally decent i like it that's probably the best news i've heard all week that's the best comment from chris i can imagine right <laughs> I so love it. when we talk about the networks you guys have obviously majority of the hunters are going to know outdoor channel and sportsman channel those are very large and we've all come to love those networks over the years, watching them, watching the shows, growing up on a lot of those shows. Um, tell us a little bit about those networks and, and, and the shows on them. I know you guys have a ton of shows on, but maybe give some people some insight that might not be in the hunting yet or trying to learn. Maybe they just need to understand what those, those channels do. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And I would tell you a lot of time I talk about um, the channels with with enthusiasts who aren't always fans of the programming that we have on our networks. I think that tends to be more interesting conversation, but um, you know, we do have Outdoor Channel, which has been around for 25 plus years. It was actually founded uh, on a, um, uh, Gold Fever was the show that the founder of the network started. And so it was a gold panning network out of Temecula, California, and quickly expanded into the hunting space and adding fishing and whatnot. Sportsman Channel came uh, a few years after that, uh, developed uh, independently, um, and ultimately Outdoor Channel was acquired by uh, Stan Kroenke, who owned the World Fishing Network and Altitude Network, which airs Colorado Rockies and Denver Nuggets and that. Um, and so we created this massive television network combined with uh, the uh, the old Intermedia Group, which does magazines, including Bowhunter and Fish, uh, uh, in Fisherman, uh, Guns and Ammo, a few of the bigger brands there. So we've, you know, we quickly became this massive media company. 
And uh, I've always been on the television side. I was an independent producer and then joined them uh, in the programming department. And so I now run programming for Outdoor and Sportsman Channel and also World Fishing Network and also MOTV, which is our, our um, um, direct to consumer internet type channel or app that we have. And I would just tell you the big difference is, um, you know, I have a lot of producers that work, I work with. I have a lot of customers. And uh, as you know, um, I'm also an outdoor enthusiast. I'm a bow hunter. I'm a gun hunter. Uh, I'm probably even a bigger fisherman than a hunter, but uh, depends on the season. Um, our audiences are diverse. And so it's hard to program our networks to appeal to everyone. And unfortunately, I get all the feedback from people when they're not happy. Like, how come you're, you're showing... Uh, uh, long range rifle hunting when I only want to see bow hunting or how come you're showing a deer hunting show when really I only care about elk it's like oh so we try to program uh, the best possible to to appeal you know to the, to the broadest audience possible now we have two pure hunting and fishing networks in outdoor channel and sportsman channel so one of our customers is also the the affiliate like direct tv and dish and xfinity uh, and they don't necessarily think they need two hunting and fishing channels. So we have the added challenge that we have to differentiate our networks. Mm -hmm. And so the way we do that is Outdoor Channel has been more general entertainment and hunting. We do have movies on Friday and Saturday night. It's going back to just Friday night here in 2022. We've done original programs. We had Duck Dynasty because the idea was we were doing more character-driven programming on Outdoor Channel. And then Sportsman Channel was more hardcore for the enthusiast, the, you know, the, the person who's very interested in going deep into not just seeing somebody else hunt, but understanding the tactics, the techniques. And uh, a lot of our brands, which have magazines and TV shows, um, they are they fall into that genre because they're they're magazine shows. They you know the editors and the publishers of those magazines are are very knowledgeable, some of the most knowledgeable in their genre. And the TV shows really help the viewer learn more, as opposed to a show like we have on our channel now called Man Eats Wild, which is a show about uh, a host who happens to be from Australia, and he's um, traveling the world, hunting and cooking. He's a world-class chef, right? So it's more character-driven, less just hardcore hunting-driven. So that's a very long answer, uh, well, but I'm no, trying good. to tell you a little bit about yeah. how they no, it sounds like you've sold that before, which I love. I mean, and that's a great way to actually differentiate them because it is hard sometimes. I mean, even when you look at it, it's like, do I want to go to Outdoor Channel? Do I want to go to Sportsman Channel? But I think you did an exceptional job of kind of um, helping us understand kind of the branding difference between but, that, but, right? but we, we also understand that you as our viewer will look at your grid and you'll say, oh, well, Bo Madness is on. I'm going to watch that instead of shooting USA. So we do actually down to the day part counter program the network so wednesday nights on outdoor channel is our shooting night and i tell you what you know you know bow hunters are passionate but if we make changes to our schedule on the firearms night we hear about it from our viewers because they are extremely <laughs> passionate they are well trained to show up on wednesday nights and watch the firearms programming but that's why you'll see we actually program a lot of the hunting programming you know on sportsman channel on wednesday night and it performs well because we know that not everybody is interested in the firearms programming and they hopefully have that alternative sportsman channel on the next dial position for them. 
Yeah. Now I have to imagine though, there's a lot of crossover in your viewership, right? I think one thing that we recognize and we talk a lot about with other industry members is that there's a lot of crossover within bow hunting. I mean, a lot of bow hunters are fishermen just like you, right? I mean, it depends right. on the season that we're in. So do you, do you see kind of a similar thing? Um, you know, we, we kind of have sometimes peaks and valleys, right? We're going through hunting season right now. We're in December. It's still going on across the country. But when we get into that January, February, March, it kind of slows down a little bit. Right. Let's see. I don't know how to say it. So I think most hunters fish, but not all fishermen hunt. I, I, I think you're right. Yeah. So there is absolutely sense. a crossover. And you know what? In a previous life, I worked for Polaris, the off-road company, and we used to do advertising and we would get solicited by fishing producers and fishing content creators and that. And, you know, and their message was, hey, you know, we know that uh, our fishermen also hunt and they buy ATVs and they, you know, they, they're your core consumer. And, and it's true they are, but there were so many opportunities for us in the hunting and agricultural world that we couldn't possibly cover them effectively by trying to add that. But there, there is, but from a retailer perspective, uh, you know, if I'm a bow hunting company and I want to reach the hardcore bow enthusiast, even though I know they fish, all my dollars are going into, you know, into hunting types yeah. of meeting. Yeah, to stay focused on what your, what your core group is. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, uh, talk to us a little bit about your programming. Do you guys produce all of your own, all of your own shows that you air? We, we produce less than 20% of our programming on Outdoor Channel and almost 0% of it on Sportsman Channel. Uh, it's a very unique model in television, and it's, you know, it started long before I was here. Um, the vision was we had this, our profession is, you know, television and, you know, owning and operating these networks. And we have producers who are passionate and professional in the, in the hunting sense, in the hunting world, um, who over decades now have gotten a lot better at producing television as well. It wasn't always that case, but um, we do some production. We have our own production facility called Wintercom out of Tulsa. Um, the idea though, is we work with independent producers who um, use our platform to reach a broader audience. And that's the essence of the business is we sell time on our net network to producers because as you've experienced, I'm sure with your own podcast, it's hard to build a net network, particularly if even if your show is great and you're, you're a great character and you're very unique, it usually takes uh, a long time and a lot of money to organically grow that audience. Whereas you can buy time on Outdoor Channel and Sportsman Channel. And I, I always joke that, you know, our viewers and myself included in this would like if if we aired color bars on Outdoor Channel, it would get a rating because our guys would be watching it go, well, clearly something's going to happen here in a few minutes. I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and I'm just going to wait, right? And so you turn on and we have a, an audience built in for these producers and for advertisers, that's valuable. It's and it's, it's under pressure, right? Because they're, you know, the market has evolved, television distribution is evolving, content delivery is evolving, sure. uh, and, and I, I sell television, so I'm still going to defend television, but, you know, obviously, um, television still works. I mean, you look at live sports and other things, and the audience is there. You know, their distribution is smaller, but the audience is still there. It's still a high-quality audience. Um, but for an advertiser, there's more outlets for them to choose from now. That's the good news for them. The bad news is 
it's really just a splintered audience. It's so, so they have to spend more money now across more flat platforms, but um, you know, television is still king. It's the easiest way to reach a mass audience instantly and in season. So, um, so that's what we're, you know, we're still riding that wave. So when we talk about my outdoor TV, so it, I'm assuming this is the your your way of I guess flipping to some online content for some viewers that maybe don't want to be watching TV all the time, but maybe do have your service. So um, what what can people expect on that? Is it going to be the full shows, part of the shows, the whole network? Yeah. Like what is on that? So it's it's a forever changing work in progress. I would tell you the original vision for MOTV was along the lines of the Netflix vision where, I don't know if y'all remember, but Netflix used to send you DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Physical DVDs, right? I was just talking to my wife about that the other day. I mean, like that wasn't, it, it was a long time ago, but it doesn't, it was like 10 years ago, which isn't even, that long even, ago, even, right? right? It wasn't that long ago. So, <laughs> so yeah, so it was probably 10 years ago. So um, yeah, we used to use uh, Netflix for that, but the idea was uh, yeah, they're distributing movies that way but then they started moving into original content. So our plan was to uh, go out, work with the best producers who were already working with us anyways, and put their libraries on this platform and make them available. We had a lot of research to support some of these decisions. Uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, there was a lot of push for, well, it, everything should just be for free on the internet. Well, you know, there, that's not, it, it, that does sound appealing to most people. It certainly sounds appealing to my boys who are 19, 20, and 22 and don't want to pay a dime for anything. But, uh, but when you have something of value, um, you know, like you know, the library for the Shockies or you know, Bone Collector or Lee and Tiffany or the Drurys, you know, we wanted to package that. And our research showed that there are enthusiasts who will pay for that. And, and I would tell you, it's been successful. We have over 150,000 subscribers that pay to watch that content. Now, the idea is, we will move more into original programming on that platform and uh, you know, to continue and grow and to expand it. We've done some live events on it. We, uh, we broadcast the ASA this year. I don't know if you were able to see that live on uh, MOTV and also simulcast on Sportsman Channel. So for us as a tool, it does help us to have that app. But I, I think the other interesting thing that has happened, and I really haven't talked to a lot of people about this, but when the cord cutter, um, you know, that whole situation started, you know, th that was a tough obstacle to overcome because you're right. It's like, I don't want to spend 200 bucks a month on cable. So I'm cutting the cord and I'm just going to watch online or do what have you. Well, now we have offerings. Like we have a, a distributor called Friendly TV, F-R-N-D-L-Y. For like eight bucks a month, you can get our networks now. They've just added some discovery networks and others. You get all of our networks though. And that even for that person who cut that cord years ago, they're still buying Netflix. They're still maybe paying for ESPN. So now, and now that they're on Amazon, for example, on the Fire Stick, MOT give it, gets served up there. So it's, it's a major driver for our business and we're getting a lot more and more consumption each day. That said, it's still a fraction of what the viewing time is on our linear networks. Um, but that's, we, we're fortunate we have, access to television data and to digital data. Uh, a lot of folks that are out there just pushing digital only, you know, that, that's the only thing they have. And you know, when you tell somebody that, it, that they have, I saw it the other day, 2 million minutes viewed online. 
okay, that sounds interesting, 2 million minutes viewed. That's um, 66,000 viewers on a television network, which is what that show would get in one airing on our network. Yeah. So, so the trick, you gotta be everywhere these days, right? But we yeah. have relationships with Dish and DirecTV and others, so we can't be everywhere instantly. That's why we usually have a little bit of a lag. You get your, in the major networks have that as well. We launch our products online on, on, a, on the linear channel, and then they move into MOTV after a six-month delay. And the research and really the viewing habits have showed that I, I'm a huge fan of our genre. I mean, uh, I'm a total TV nerd. Like last night, I seriously, I sat upstairs. I was by myself. I watched um, uh, Rival Wild on Sportsman Channel. I watched uh, The Cruders Beyond the Hunt on Outdoor Channel, and you know, and I will, awesome. I will really watch this. And and like, and I'm watching it even though it's my day job as well. But like the biggest fans, and you guys have this in your world, I'm sure. I mean, do your do your wives listen to every single podcast that you do? I they hope love not. You to death, and they're huge. <laughs> right? But they don't, right? And so it's like I'm a big fan of The Crush, but I've probably seen about three percent of their episodes yeah yeah huge fan of pat and nicole reeve driven tv but i can't sit and watch all of them so that's actually worked really well in the on motv where it's it's their whole libraries and if i really wanted to i could binge you could binge yeah that's that that's of, yeah the whole binge mentality yeah right? i could use 14 yeah. seasons of whitetail freaks right yep absolutely so what, what do you see, like, do you guys have a roadmap of potential challenges that, that you're looking at? Like when we move into 2022, do you see further challenges with, with that kind of genre change type of thing going on? Or what, what are you guys seeing industry-wise? I, I see, you know, it, it, I, I say that it's never been easy. I've been in this TV space for over 10 years and, and like it really never has been easy. And it's as hard as it's ever been right now. And the headwinds, are unprecedented and you know not to to be melodramatic about the pandemic but the pandemic has disrupted everybody's businesses yeah. right and in the tv world we're we are the marketing arm and the mouthpiece for a lot of these brands and you look at ata coming up and you know the i, I think i saw on your instagram you know the the buzz about who's not going to ata well right uh, it's a rational decision to not go to ata if you don't have a pipeline of materials to sell product to meet the current demand for your products but you know for our producers who are um you know, who need that sponsorship and that, you know, to, to drive their business, to gather the content, to keep that going. It's, it's disruptive. So there's, there's been a lot of um, adjusting going on in a lot of different ways. And, um, and I think that continues, you know, into, you know, I, I hate to say like, the, you know, this is a new normal. I, I don't think it is. I, I think when we come out of this pandemic and, and, and pray to God that we do at some point here, that there will be um, a kind of a, a reestablishment, but there's, you know, the the apart from the pandemic, there's still economic changes. There's political changes that impact our space, um, you yeah. know. And there, so, so yeah. So I I think I don't have the total crystal ball. I just anticipate it's going to continue to be a challenge. I think the blessing that we bring to the table here. Uh, with a very stable owner, you know, these networks had been bought and sold a few times, 
you know, uh, we have stable ownership now, and we have a vision of being the biggest and the best provider of content across all platforms. And, you know, and over time, I hope that proves to be to be true and that, you know, we have magazines, we, we, I joke with uh, the guys who run our magazine business that, you know, they've been dead for 15 years, right? Never mind the fact that we had one of our best magazine years ever last year, a pandemic didn't hurt that, but, you know, so we just, yeah. we'll, we just continue to kind of keep fighting the fight. The model we have where our producers create and generate a lot of our content has an added challenge because we don't control all of that. So, right. um, so we just continue to make adjustments and, you know, and I think when the next, you know, um, can we swear on this podcast? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> we tend not to, but. <laughs> okay. I was going to say the, uh, you know, a beep storm hits, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. adjust course, but the reality is, yeah. um, you know, we have a vision and we've got a five-year plan and, you know, our plan is to be here in five years and to continue creating and distributing content that appeals to the, to the enthusiasts. You know? Yeah. Now you, think, you uh, said something no. just a little bit ago about um, that. I just wanted to touch on real quick. And that was the whole kind of political side of, of how politics affect. And we have seen that a lot without, within our industry. Um, you know, we're a social media platform. That's kind of what we're known for. Um, Bowhunter Planet, you know, we're, we're YouTube, we're Instagram, we're TikTok, we're all that kind of stuff. And we've, you know, there's been this progression away from weapons and hunting and that kind of stuff over the years that we have seen. And, and we've seen that a lot more in, 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 we're in the midst of launching a sister company called Gun Hunter Planet. And I just wanted to kind of get your feel about how, you know, have you kind of seen that within your own industry and kickback from like Dish Network or anything like that about not wanting to air that type of programming? For, you know, it, it hasn't been like you would anticipate, like the, the affiliates who distribute our content are mostly interested in ratings and revenue. And they have consumers who consume gun content and hunting content and that. So, so they're absolutely not enthusiasts on the affiliate side because most of them are accountants and lawyers out in New York City. Yeah. But they're not, uh, they don't come down on us. I, I've heard stories uh, and it's probably happened to us at some degree, but never, I've never been involved personally in it. But uh, NBC Sports, uh, Discovery, they've had, you know, they, they've had issues, but Discovery has kind of come around with some of their reality programming, um, you know, and they're actually showing more. Um, so we really haven't had had that problem. That's um, good. I feel like that's yeah, worked out for you guys tremendously because, you know, at one point, uh, I, I don't I don't remember the brand name, but it was like Fox Sports or NBC Sports. But they would, did have hunting for a while when I was a kid. That's what I remember. And then that all went away. And then it kind of opened the door for you guys to kind of like, oh, no one's going to hold the segment. We're going to take the whole segment, which is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm glad you guys did because those guys weren't really doing it anyway. They just had a couple shows. We can kick a competitor on this, right? So, yeah, it was NBC oh, yeah. Sports. And, um, you know, there was a show and the show was um, – it was an, an African hunting show and they killed an, an elephant on TV and there was outrage and, and NBC uh, Sports said, we're not going to do this anymore. And so that show came up to um, uh, Outdoor Channel. So, um, so you know, that's what we want it to be. And, and we do want <laughs> to continue to be a safe space. I, I think you talk, I guess we go back to this question about challenges in this industry. I know, I know I've talked to a lot of YouTube content creators who are very concerned 
about their following and the investments they have in their fans and uh, on their YouTube platform, and they may wake up tomorrow and it's gone. It's like just yep. you can't even do it. They've already been demonetized for the most time and, and most part. Yep. And it's like, so we do want to be that safe space. I would, we're not there right now, and, and we're not there because we have a pretty complex business model. Like I said, you know, yeah. uh, you, you think like when Amazon destroyed Barnes and Noble, you think Barnes and Noble wasn't aware of what was going on. I mean, right. They, they just couldn't some, move fast enough to compete. Right. They couldn't. They, they had stores on every single corner and every mall that they needed to be on until Amazon made that a liability for them. And I'm yeah. not saying that's where we're at, but we do operate, you know, three linear television networks and we've got 17 magazines and 20 websites and don't audit those numbers. I, I'm, I'm on a <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but they're close if they're not exact. So. Good enough. <laughs> I feel like I feel like business. I feel like the the future is a mix of business, and I feel like you guys are like literally getting closer to that mix. You have those magazines. When you talk about magazines, we're not talking about just any magazine. We're talking like Peterson's Bowhunter. We're talking like the the right. Bibles of I've got of them all next. Right. These aren't like just normal magazines. These are like the top tier magazines. So yes, you guys control the magazine market. You have the, obviously the TV market well-established. I think the next logical move is the digital space and getting control of diff different digital media organizations um, so yeah. that you guys can, you know, go spread out a little bit differently. But the other thing is a lot of the content you guys have getting the content for social you, it's almost like it's a huge win if you guys can figure out the way to mix and match the social with what you have for clips, because a lot of those clips right. are going to draw people to come watch the show. And, you know, like, um, or read the magazine. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to draw that right. Or the magazine or to go see the magazine. So it's all about clipping and editing. And, and, you know, we were just talking about this the other day, we're trying to hire a content manager ourselves because we're overwhelmed with how much to work on. And when you talk about YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all these social platforms that got billions of users, you know, you have to do each of them differently. They can't all be the same piece of pie. So you have to, and there's so much, so many moving parts, you know, it's just constant. It's, it's, <laughs> but it's there. You guys are like literally so close right now. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, I, I think just to add to that real quick, you, you brought up the whole thing about the YouTube and worrying about if that goes away tomorrow, what happens? Well, yeah, we've had that same conversation, Dave and I, and that's why we try to diversify as much as possible because we don't know if we wake up tomorrow, if YouTube's algorithm is going to kick out everything weapons related, right? That could happen overnight and we don't know. So diversification is huge. We have that in that conversation internal all the time, but man, when I look at your guys' portfolio and look at diversification, holy cow. I mean, you guys got a lot yeah, going on when it comes so to that, which is good. Yeah, as a business, we're working on improving our speed uh, because we are a big operation and, you know, we do have a separate entity that does, you know, the magazines and that and our networks operate. We work together, but we're, we're separate in, in many respects. And I think over the next five years, you will see us uh, really gain momentum. We are a massive snowball. We don't turn on a dime but we do have the resources and the wherewithal. And I, I don't see anybody else in this marketplace that comes even close to having no. the potential of marrying all this together. You know, the idea of digital, you know, creating a, uh, an app or a website or an AVOD channel in that, it's, it's, not, it's not an original idea. Uh, it's not a bad idea, but we've seen on multiple platforms the appetite 
that consumers have for content and what it takes to feed that machine, I think it ultimately kills um, some of the small time operators unless you can figure out how to stay focused and just keep your eye on what it is that's driving your audience and driving your business. Uh, because otherwise you're like, oh, well, now we're doing, uh, you know, I've seen it. There's an online platform that's now starting to do original programming. Huge cost to produce, a huge cost to promote. None of them have the money and the resources to really promote outside of their own platforms significantly. And I think people overestimate consumers. I've seen it. I've done a podcast myself and I've seen it. I have, you have great content that's on point with great guests, good production values. And it's still hard to convince even your best friends to watch your damn podcast. Yeah, that. It's like, hey, hey, t- <laughs> hey, I had I had Mitch on from uh, Outdoor Channel, and he was a great interview. Did you see that? It's like, no, sorry, man, I was hunting. <laughs> That's true. You're absolutely right about it, that. It is true. It's not right. It, you know, we're, we're there's only yeah. so much time in a day um, yeah. to consume content, and um, you know, we used to have research that showed that guys like us who watch TV had like 11 to 13 channels we'd watch. And I, that was, for me, that was Fox News and Discovery and Outdoor Channel. And so the goal was to be one of your top 10 networks that you, that you would just tune in and go to. And our viewers absolutely watch, when they turn on the TV, they turn to us, our hardcore viewers do, more so than they turn in, you know, uh, Sunday night at nine o'clock to watch Realtree Outdoors. It's more... Yeah. And Michael yeah. Waddell. It's more they just turn it on and go. So, uh, and now you're talking about, you know, there's content in our genre across every medium, every platform. You're listening in your car. It's on your phone. It's, uh, but you know, how, how much can you take? I mean, I tried yeah. to. I love Mike Rowe, and I drove. I did a bow hunt in South Dakota this year, and I listened to a couple of episodes of the Mike Rowe podcast, and I and I enjoyed it. But I'm mean, just like, man, but. I didn't enjoy it so much that I'm just going to like, you know, consume every minute of content that he delivers. I might, you know, occasionally Absolutely. go back and cherry pick a few guests that I like. You know, he had Tim the Toolman on, you know, and that was the episode that I listened to. But so it's just really hard to build an audience. So our business is is really focused on you know, building those audiences, aggregating them across all of our platforms. Uh, you know, we have a we have a significant IT department and we've built into our own search where if you go to Guns and Ammo uh, to the website there and you do a search, it's going to return content within our content management system. So that if you're if you're looking at how to build a, an AR-15, it will go or if you're on Bowhunters, you know, you, you ask an archery question, it will search our content and serve that first. And then it will do a general Google type search. So that's genius. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. but it's, it, you know, that's millions of dollars and years. I, I think the one thing is, I don't want to, I don't want to, I, I don't think we can be too patient in our business. We have, cause the market moves quickly. The technology is changing. Our competitors are changing, but um, we also aren't panicked by changes in the market because they are changing. The market's changing quickly. And we do have, a massive foundation uh, to build from where a lot of our competitors have this pinpoint of a foundation and a vision to go bigger. And it, it generally tips over because it takes yeah. a lot of money and a lot of content and a lot of expertise. And, and that's why we, 
we're the leader in that space. So, so I, have I you, have I you guys if... seen during this pandemic, like, have you guys seen an increase in viewership, people having more time maybe, or, you know, oh, what, what, how has that really kind of affected you guys? We're, we're hamstrung a little because the technology to measure our audiences through Nielsen and Comscore are far from perfect. Like uh, when you see on the news that Fox News did 6 million viewers and you know, they get overnight ratings and, and those are pretty, uh, pretty accurate, I would say. You know, our distribution is around 20 million households. And so the, the methodology they use to track the ratings is not perfect. So we, when I look at ratings, I don't look and say, okay, what did Driven TV do on this night? And if it, if it drops, what, what are we gonna do to fix it? It's more like, okay, how are shows performing? Are they building? You know, we know the audience builds through 10 o'clock at night. Are there reasons why they wouldn't be? And we look at it that way. But during the pandemic, we absolutely saw an increase in viewership. Uh, we didn't have competition from live sports early on, right? Which is a big competitor for television. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Right. And then our affiliate group was able to negotiate significant increases in our distribution so that more people could access our programming. And so, yeah, we had a we had a, a decent year in 19, we had a huge year in 20, and we've had a good year in 21, but when you compare 21 to 20, it doesn't look that good because 20 was such a big boom. <laughs> Skyrocket. Yeah, but it's, like I said, but it's still good. I mean, it, you, you, if you're a brand who wants to reach 5 million uh, bow hunters, you know, you have an option on both outdoor and sportsman channel and shows that they could get behind and support and work with those folks to deliver not just a good number of impressions, but we know through research that our audiences are people like me, a uh, little bit older. They tend to be you know, in the 50 plus range, but they have disposable income. They uh, buy a lot of hunting gear. They influence their friends in the purchase of hunting gear. They travel to hunt. And so, you know, and, and we have a lot of very satisfied advertisers who know it's more expensive on TV, but it's also very valuable. And I, I also joke, I told you I have three boys who are 19, 20, and 22. And, you know, they collectively probably spend about five grand a year on hunting and fishing and gear. And zero dollars of that is theirs. It's all <laughs> mine, right? It's like, so they may be consuming content, the YouTube, same thing my wife says to me, by the way. Right. Yeah. But they're not driving <laughs> the economic engine of our business. It's there, but they're the future. So we have to figure out how to appeal to them. And you know, we're, we're looking at ways to do that on our networks as well. That's awesome. So, and that's really good to hear because one of the things that, that we know is that without those new people, um, this is, a, you know, our, our industry and, and the sports industry as a whole will eventually become smaller and smaller if we don't have new people coming in so yeah that's good to hear so i don't know if you guys know this but i have i have personally been on the outdoor channel i don't know if you guys know this oh wow that's the outdoor channel logo right there yeah with ralph and ricky 2012 ata show (laughs) is that you who is that guy i don't know man that's are you sure that's you <laughs> I just found this. I was like thinking about it. Like, I was on Outdoor Channel once. I remember yeah. that. Uh, Ralph and Vicky are two of my favorites. Uh, when I first took this job, like six plus years ago, I I tried to go out and you know and really see all of the top producers and customers uh, the best I could. And when I made it to Ralph and Vicky, she made us moose chili. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, so good. And just, you know, just to see, and I've been a, I've been a fan of theirs for a long time. And um, so great to see. I, was- I've also been on the network, but I joke that I have a face for radio. So uh, <laughs> I won't show you any pictures, but so I have gotten some you- pretty, go ahead. Are you guys working on things like, so some of the things I see, not, not in the hunting industry by any means. So like, let's talk about Netflix for a minute. So Netflix and YouTube and um, trying to think of the other one I was thinking of, like even Apple and don't get me wrong. These are giant brands and I get that, but they're creating their own shows. They're creating their own special movies and stuff. Is that something you guys have looked at? Like, can we create our own movie or our own like programming that's ours that we, you know, like I'm talking like high end stuff, like a, a movie, like an actual outdoor hunting type movie or, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. So we have, um, the challenge we have is with our limited distribution is the amount of dollars we can raise through ad sales. So it's hard to justify spending $30 million on a series or a movie when you can only generate $3 million in ad revenue to support it. Yeah. So that said, um, you know, we are creative. We have a unique audience. We have ways to deliver that audience for some folks who are willing to Joe Mantegna, who was on Gun Stories, is, you know, he's Criminal Minds, was a star of Criminal Minds and directed it towards the end of that run. Uh, you know, he's been on our network for a long time. Uh, and he's willing and willing to work with us at a rate that is not Hollywood rates, because he understands that, uh, you know, we don't have 90 million households and we can't charge, you know, $500,000 a half hour for, for the programming and that. So, uh, but we have, we actually were looking at a concept. Um, we had Longmire on Outdoor Channel. We still have it. It's actually done extremely well in the rain. Oh, no way. Good. Yeah. And so we've, we've actually looked at doing an original series, uh, dramatic series along that vein of Longmire. Um, like I said, I, I, I don't know if it'll come to fruition, but we, we have looked at that. Cool. Yeah, that's really That'd cool. be very interesting to see. So Mitch, I, think, I think kind get, of plays into that here? whole next generation thing too. So right. it makes sense. How have you been with this company, Mitch? I have, uh, so I was an independent producer and I produced a couple of hunting shows on the network on Outdoor Channel and uh, with the partner created the Warden series on Outdoor Channel. Yeah. Uh, nice. That's kind of how I built my relationship there. And then when they acquired Sportsman Channel, uh, I was brought in to run programming for sportsmen and, and eventually moved over to oversee all the time by business for all of the all of the networks so i've been i think it's been overseas maybe it'd be seven years as a full-time employee in may could be six i don't know but i was an independent producer for 10 years before that i live in minneapolis and i, I ran a small production company here called ron shara productions and we did a handful handful of shows uh, including a few for the network so that's how i got involved awesome nice very cool yeah, I, uh, I, you know, the hunting, <laughs> when you watch the hunting shows, it's, it's, it's really amazing the amount of time and energy goes into the editing of those shows. Cause you, I mean, you can tell they're, you know, very well done. You know, it's like watching a movie, they're filmed in reds and all these really high end cameras. And so it, it's definitely um, really amazing to watch. And I, I think that um, when, when you see those shows and it's, you know, and like I said, going back to when I was a kid, I, I grew up on the outdoor channel watching, you know, those type of hunting shows, sportsman channel, all those. And I, you know, I learned a lot from those moments and it's funny now, cause since I've gotten into this industry more, 
I now actually talk to the people that I used to watch, like Tyler Jordan, <laughs> Jordan and all those guys, like Dave Blanton, wow. Tom Miranda. Like, you know, I actually talk to them on the show or at ETA now. And it's funny because you grew up like watching this and then you end up actually talking to these people later. It's just the hilarious uh, comes around. But either way, uh, but pretty sweet how they do all that and put it together. It's just really incredible. Community is what Bowhunter Planet was founded on. It's that foundation that helps us bring more men, women, and children into the outdoor community. We created Team BHP helping more people into the sport of archery. We'd like you to consider joining Team BHP to help us bring more people into the heritage of archery. With your contributions, you will help us bring the archery heritage to more and more people. You're not only receiving great discount codes, phenomenal giveaways that we run all the time, and just the feeling of community that you can get from being a member. To get more information, check the link below. I went through the same progression. You know, I, I, I became a fan of the genre about 10 years ago and got to meet a lot of the folks. And, you know, then they've become my customers. And, and now I get to screen their phone calls when they call me while I'm doing a <laughs> podcast interview. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, you talk man. about we'll production make... values too, but it's when I, and I mentioned the challenge of, you know, appealing to our audience. It's like, Ted Nugent's show does not uh, uh, pride itself on his production values when when Ted films himself in a tree stand in Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, but people don't care because there they just yep. want to hear Ted talk and and listen to what he has to say, as opposed to, you know, a fan of driven TV. They like to watch the cinematography and the storytelling and how it all comes together. So, yeah, that's my challenge is to figure out what is that mix and to you know support the producers the best we can. And and, and really just try to keep holding on to this audience and, and then adapt to the time so that uh, okay. they, have, uh, they have a future. And how do you, how do you get him on, uh, on TV and actually be able to listen to him without having to bleep out every other word? <laughs> he's, 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 pretty, he's pretty good at that. You know, what, you know how that happens? It's because it's his editor that it pisses off the most. So... Um, <laughs> By the time we get to it, it's usually pretty scrubbed. Yeah, we we had him on um, a while ago, and it, it was great. I mean, he, he it, but, good but when he lets loose, he, yeah, he he didn't do too bad. No, he didn't do no. too bad. But when he goes into a little bit of a rant, it's you know you you got to watch those those bombs being dropped. But it's fun. There you oh, go. Dang, I love it. I love That's it. It's actually it's actually autographed, but the autograph is kind of kind of faded. I might have to try to find him at a trade show or something and get it autographed. <laughs> uh, like, hey, can you resign this for me? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Cool. All right, Mitch, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate this. It's a good time. And and hey, you know, keep doing what you're doing. We we know how important this network is uh to the outdoor industry and the hunting, outdoor channel, sports channel, all those magazines and everything you guys do is critical to what we're doing. Uh, keeping hunting alive, keeping people going. It, honestly, without you guys, we'd be in trouble. So For sure. um, however we can help, you name it, we're there. Because, you know, this is what you guys are doing is not just a business. It is critical to what we do in this hunting industry and keeping this thing going. So thank you yeah. guys so much for that. You know what I will, as a, as a closing and parting kind of um, message, I appreciate that. So thank you very much. Um, we also have been and will continue to promote engagement of new hunters in this space and the conservation so i would say look for us to be pushing more of that as we go forward because it is harder than ever for folks to find you know ground to hunt 
there, there are more people who are interested in hunting because of the pandemic, because of an insecurity around their food source. And as Uncle Ted would have told you that there's nothing better than this replenishable supply of God-given deer on your know, venison is amazing. Uh, that's a horrible Ted Nugent impersonation, but, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean, right? So yeah, we yeah, got it. <laughs> and we want to help uh, deliver that message. So anything you guys can do to help that, we really appreciate. So thank you. Love to hear that. Thank you so much. It's such, such a great thing to hear from a company like your guys's um, to keep driving towards that conservation and keeping the industry for going forward. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mitch. This has been a presentation of bowhunterplanet.com. Join the hunt. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.